Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. So before the episode begins, I would just like to say a huge thank you to CastBox for helping me make the CastBox original, Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, and you can find all of your favorite podcasts there. Personally, I think CastBox is the best podcasting platform out there, and I hope you guys check it out because I think you'll be surprised at just how much variety they have and how user-friendly their app is. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening, and without further ado, let's begin. I found my old copy of my favourite childhood movie, and something's seriously wrong with it. Part 4 by Dopabine I woke up Saturday in so much pain that I thought I was dying. The wounds in my side, those ragged triple slashes delivered in a dream, radiated heat and agony. The room felt far too hot, like it had its own miniature summer sun. I sat up, unable to stifle a miserable groan. Jesse stirred as I inspected the claw marks. Bruised, a bit puffy around the suches, but otherwise fine. Nothing to indicate the rot within. I called off work and convinced Jesse that I had a cold. Then he asked how I slept and I answered fine and was surprised to realize that this was true. I couldn't recall anything but a vague whirlwind of colours and cartoons. He went to feed Koenig by himself. I almost asked him to stay home with me because I was afraid. The pain and the strange heat frightened me and I didn't want to be alone, but I didn't. When he heard I'd slept fine, I, I saw a spring in his step, a lightness to his posture that I couldn't bear to take away. He had enough to worry about now and... I didn't want to burden him with something that he couldn't do anything about anyway. After he left, I tried to sleep, but the dreams that I couldn't remember from the night before haunted me now. Images of Jesse weeping as Koenig dumped small corpses into that round little lake by that cottage. Visions of young Carolyn crying quietly in a bare bedroom, of Mark sobbing as he played with his toy cars, and I saw more too. Families that... I had left behind in old friends that I had nearly forgotten about. That agonizing, rotted heat deepened with every face that flickered past. I gave up sleep quickly and went downstairs. 
It was silent, sun-drenched, and far too warm for the season and early hour. Sweat prickled my hairline and my scalp felt hot. I wasn't surprised to see the tape propped in front of the TV, and I put it in the player. A second of static made my heart stop, but the screen quickly snapped to a golden, highly stylized title card. The boy who was too good to do any good. The end. The little lake brightly reflected the sunset sky's soft red and glowing copper, infusing the animated landscape with achingly beautiful, bitterly nostalgic haze. It looked like the perfect childhood movie whose name you can't remember. A child's perfect image of an idyllic sunset, a beautiful dream, a place that you long to return to even though you saw it only once or maybe not at all. My favourite person in the world stood on the shore staring at the water as tears streamed down his face. This isn't fair. You can't ask me to do it. Water lapped lightly at his feet, cresting into tiny grey waves. A strange, bony creature, all hunched shoulders and razor joints, reached for his hands. He let it touch him, gritting his teeth when it dug sharp fingers into his skin. We would do it for you. His eyes were dark and flat, almost dim. This is wrong. Don't we mean anything to you? That's that's not fair. He repeated, shakily. The creature responded. She's already going to die. Let her death have meaning. Jesse shook the creature off, running his hands through his hair. His eyes were too wide, skin ashen. Dirt smeared his face and his shirt was stained with sweat and blood. The creature shuddered and contorted, twisting and somehow expanding to three times its height. Its mouth fell open, a yawing black void lined with incongruously perfect teeth. We would do it for you. This shattered Jesse's fragile resolve. He set off along the perimeter of the lake, toward a small perfect cottage on the other side. Warm shadows cloaked the interior, laying low like smoke under the waning light flooding through the windows. Jesse approached a a nondescript door in the kitchen and hurriedly wiped his face. He gave one last pleading look to the bony painted creature, then unlocked the door and descended into a dark cellar. Daylight filtered weakly down, wrapping the stairs in a soft tunnel of light. At the end of the cellar was a cage lit by a battery lantern. Pained, wet breathing drifted from a bloodstained pile of blankets. Something underneath wheezed and shifted weakly. Jesse took a corner of the stiff blood-crusted blanket and gently pulled it away. An eyeless little girl with bloated weeping stumps for legs lay on the dirty floor. The flesh of her chest was shredded and raw. Beads of pus seeped up from the morris, glimmering like pale yellow pearls. A filthy stuffed dog with brown ears and grey fur lay at her side. Jesse smoothed her filthy black hair. Tears welled and fell, pattering the child's face. She tried to speak, but all that issued was a low, unintelligible whisper. Jesse picked her up tenderly and cradled her, bathed in that beam of soft sunset light. They were equally lovely and horrifying. I can't. The painted creature whipped into being, twining itself over his back to whisper in his ear. The child is as good as dead. Its last shred of life isn't enough to sustain it. With your blood and power, it'll bring your mother back. The child's mouth gulped like a fish's, 
small pale lips quivering. She would do it for you, the shadow said. Then were the roles reversed? Had you the ability to resurrect a lost child's mother with your last useless scrap of life? Wouldn't you? The little girl continued to labor in Jessie's arms, struggling to draw even the weakest breath. Think of your mother and her suffering. The phantom peered over Jessie's head at the girl, throwing a shadow across her face. Give her another life. You have Koenig's blood in you, which may reward you in other ways. Jessie gave in, carrying the child through the dark house and into the balmy evening. Cricket sang, welcoming the first stars twinkling overhead. Lavender twilight descended as he passed the lake and crossed a large field, heading through the trees to the pit where Koenig had summoned that shadow leviathan years before. Sweat streamed down the girl's face, soaking her hair and dripping to the ground like tears. She was quiet until Jessie carried her down into the pit when she started bleating. He set her down and tucked her little stuffed dog at her side. Then he sat down and held her hands in the deepening twilight. Her bleeding stopped and she settled back. A breeze picked up, whistling through the tall grass and ruffling his hair. Out in the forest, an enormous shadow began to spread. It warped and ballooned, stretching to the sky. The stars disappeared first. The moon all subsumed in that impenetrable blackness. The shadow wrenched and pulled away from that larger dark, coalescing into a great horned colossus that towered far above the tallest trees. Dim orange eyes swept the landscape, burning like old coals. It approached the pit with a, a terrible silent smoothness, swallowing the trees and grass into a featureless black sea. It stopped at the edge of the pit, regarding Jesse and the child with those awful eyes. Jesse stared back in wonder. He scooped up the girl and stood slowly. The shadow began to pour into the pit, and Jesse turned and ran. Out on the grass, the painted monster screamed in a hundred voices. How dare you! The behemoth roared, a bone-shaking bellow that consumed the world, and with a strange liquid movement, broke the bounds of its form and flooded the pit. It swept over the girl, consuming her hands and the sad remains of her legs, and pulled furiously. Jessie resisted as the child bleated helplessly. The shadow bled across them, covering her stomach and curling around Jessie's hands. And with a final wrench, he freed her, but at a great cost. The ruined limbs detached with a series of wet cracks, spraying both Jessie and the shadow with blood. The shadow flowed upward, reforming into the horned behemoth. Its skin seemed to burn, emitting a soft red ambience that stained the black sky. Then it tore away, bending the trees and kicking up titanic mounds of earth, and disappeared in a roaring gust of wind. We would have died for you! The painted phantom screamed. And I'd die for you, Jesse breathed. But this isn't the same. His voice broke and he looked down locks of dark hair falling across his face. It isn't the same. He set the girl down and cupped her hair. His hands were stripped raw where the shadow's tendrils touched him, and his blood sheeted down onto her face. He cooed tearfully at her, trying to elicit a response, but there was none. She was dead. Jessie picked her up and rocked her, oblivious to her protruding hip bones or the blood pooling around him. The scene faded into another, darker image. 
Jesse carrying her as he climbed a grassy hill, a soft, tragic shadow before a backdrop of starry watercolored skies. He dug a grave. As the first pastel streaks of dawn touched the sky, he tucked the girl's stuffed dog in her arms, wrapped her in a clean blanket and buried her. He crouched at the grave until the sun rose and then wiped his face and went to the barn. The doors creaked open and spilled soft golden sunlight into the lazy shadows. Koenig still lay there, dappled prettily by the bright holes in the roof. He grinned. <laughs> what a little shit you are. I'm willing to help your mother, even after she told you my secret. And it's true. Jesse lingered in the doorway. You never did anything for me. It was all for you, just to make me a... A vessel, Koenig finished. But I did try to help you. We would have lived forever, together, if you weren't weak and afraid. If you'd been strong last night, you might have even have lived forever with your darling little mother. Jesse didn't answer. You should kill me, said Koenig. Why? So you can use me? My... My body? Jesse's voice cracked and then he swallowed hard. Use me to keep killing people? I am only what I am and I only do what I must do. No, you're what you decide to be. And you, my wonderful sweet boy, never had the opportunity to decide what you wanted to be. G'day mates. So... I just wanted to take a quick break before the second half of the story to thank all of you guys for listening to Be Scared. If you're a new listener, welcome to The Hive. And if you're a long-time fan, thanks for checking out the podcast. If you could please take a moment to do me a favor to rate and review the show, that would be a huge help. And if you have any stories that you would like to submit for future episodes, you can send them to my email at bish.buster at gmail.com. That's B-I-S-H dot B-U-S-T-A at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and without further ado, here's the rest of the story. Something flickered over Jesse's face, a widening of the eyes and miserable downturn of his mouth. Earl arranged his face into an exaggerated mask of sympathy. I know what they've done to you, your mothers and your sisters and your brothers. They've made you a victim. A victim of everyone's past and everyone's pain. You've seen and felt enough suffering for 10,000 years. Wouldn't you like to escape? Jesse's expression grew progressively more broken, but he said, Not if it means you get to be free. It'll happen in the end, no matter what you do. A quarter of your blood is mine, so you'll have a long life, but you'll still die long before I. Good, then I can keep you alive. Until I'm too old to do you any good. Or maybe I can burn myself, or cut off my legs, or jump off a ferry or something. Koenig's eyes flashed like a gold coin, flipping in the sun. And then he exploded. All composure was gone. Jesse ignored him, and dragged him out of the barn and back to the house. Sunlight filtered through the windows, slowly dissolving the early morning shadows. Jesse managed to have Earl on the bed and tried to feed him. Earl spat it back into his face and laughed. 
idiot. I will die. I will die. I'll starve and then I'll take you. Jesse carefully wiped the cereal off his face. If you don't eat, he said quietly, then I'll call the police. You think I care? Earl screamed. These silly fucking childish enforcers. I'll call them and I'll tell them you have a gun, Jesse continued. I'll make sure that they shoot us both to pieces. Even if you take over my body, you'll still die. I can heal it, Earl said triumphantly. Bullets are nothing. Jesse considered this. Okay, well, then I'll hold the gun and say that I killed all the people on the lake in the woods, and then I'll pretend I'm going to shoot the cops. They'll kill me, and you'll still get my body, but you'll be in jail, in iron and concrete. You'll have me, but you'll still die because you can't feed on anybody. Jesse shuddered and then looked up. I should do that anyway. You don't want to die, said Koenig. Jesse didn't answer. Jesse, said Koenig. Jesse spun around and stormed out of the room. He ran aimlessly downstairs, hyperventilating, and there came a single bright flash of painted flesh from the corner. The phantom solidified and crept forward. What do I do? Jesse said. You die together. He can escape any prison and heal any wounds, given time. But I don't want to die. And I don't want the dreams. I don't want any of it. Without the dreams, you would be like him. No, I wouldn't. You're just saying that, so I'll do what you want. The spectre stepped forward, cornering him against the wall. What we do, we do for you. That's exactly what he tells me. But it's a lie. Everything he does is to stay alive. Everything you do is to kill him. Even if it means killing me. You both just want me dead. We love you. A hundred voices surged, angry and pleading and gentle and sad. But this, this must end. He caressed his face. You don't have to die immediately. Feed him just enough, and he'll linger forever as a husk. Feeding him will pain you, but you won't have to do it often. What you see in dreams can be used, too. I don't want to die at all. He planted seeds in your heart, Jesse. They've already grown roots. But without us, without your dreams, they'll grow. Jesse screamed. No, you're wrong. If you were nothing like him... You would kill monsters when you could. What will it take, Jesse? Your own mother wasn't enough. Can you even love? Leave me alone. The phantom's head split, revealing those rows of perfect teeth, and then it shrieked. Go away! He said. It shuddered and spun and then melted into the shadows. Jesse slid to the floor, crying until a scratching sound caught his attention. Sniffling, he went to the door. On the porch sat a skinny puppy, grey with brown ears and blue eyes. His eyes widened suddenly and then he knelt down. It hobbled joyfully to him and licked the half-formed scabs on his fingers. A small joyful smile worked across his face and he picked her up. The screen 
faded to white and that was different. That wasn't right. Alarmed, I tried to sit up but barely twitched. My apartment looked too bright, too neat and pretty, painted, cartoonish. I stood up but left my sleeping body on the sofa. In the hall, I saw a bright flash of pale yellow. That terrible burning rot flared along my stomach. No, I whispered. I didn't come to you. I came to you, Koenig said and lumbered toward me. He was in his monstrous dream form, all snout and rotting scales and sores. I too make paths when I want vengeance. A rumbling growl sounded as the dog crept forward, the size of a wolfhound with the build of a bear. The tiny pupils quivered in her pale eyes. Koenig bared his teeth in a sneer. Listen, I've not come to hurt you. No point beating a dead horse, right? What do you mean? But I already knew. Your little scratch, it's poisoning you. This wasn't a surprise, but tears pricked my eyes anyway. I don't understand Juliana, he said. My first daughter and all the children who came after her, I made them, but I don't understand them. My good sweet boy never killed a body for anyone or anything. You though, you relish it. Given, of course, the correct circumstances. Koenig grinned, glistening saliva spilled from his teeth and dripped to the carpet. He looked so much like a cartoon beast, a horrifying one, but still veiled by that almost sweet nostalgia. You are so similar to her. I thought she'd protect you. Why? She set me up so Jesse would be angry enough to kill you. My breath threatened to hitch, but I controlled it somehow. I feed and thrive on death. So do my daughters. Different kinds, but death all the same. A sickening epiphany dawned like the first sunrise, revealing the ruins after a catastrophic war. Wait, vengeance deaths keeps her alive? And strong. My poor girl's only ever wanted strength. Enough to someday undo me. So, I don't understand why they murdered you. You're the only one who feeds them. Jesse was right. The Phantom, they didn't care about any of us. Not me, not Carolyn, not Mark, not even Jesse. We were just pawns. Nothing but pawns in its deadly game with Koenig. But why complain? Koenig rumbled. It's all to my benefit in the end. Jesse won't kill you. Rumbling laughter shook the apartment. <laughs> Do you believe that tender-hearted child won't react to the violent removal of his only dream come true? Not if it means you go free. Why don't you have a look? The apartment suddenly melted away, replaced with Mark and Carolyn's familiar backyard. Large and spacious with trees and a bench and a neat little flower garden I talked Jesse into planting with me. Rain clouds pulled apart overhead, filling the yard in soft, pristine light. Jesse stood by a mossy tree, looking up into the face of the static phantom. What happens if we don't die at the exact same time? If you die peacefully, he will instantly regenerate the corpse when he takes possession. 
Were he strong, he would heal any injury. But you've made him weak and subject to physical limitations. Like what? Damage. Profound damage. Immolation. Dismemberment. Even drowning, if you incapacitate yourself long enough. Jesse looked pale and terribly serene. And that'll end it? Yours is the only body he has. Destroy it, and yes, he'll be finished. Wind rustled the trees, causing a shower of raindrops to patter from the disturbed leaves. How long does she have? No, I gasped, but of course, he didn't hear it. The creature, however, it looked at me. But the contrast of dancing static against soft green made me explicitly dizzy. Uh, days. Her wounds are festering. He shuffled to the beach in a daze, and I followed, dimly aware that I was begging him to refuse. And she'll heal when he dies. You're sure? The phantom nodded. It's a cursed wound. Curses die with their casters. How can I believe you? You lied already. You told me if I fed him that he'd be a husk indefinitely. He would have, if you fed him. I did feed him. You fed broth to a god that requires blood. Without it, he starves and the body dies, releasing the spirit to overtake a, a more able vessel. I tried to tell you, but you chased me away. Jesse looked like he'd been sucker punched. His shoulders heaved and for a second I thought he'd faint. But would that be so bad? If he fainted, maybe he'd see me. So, I needed to kill anyway, all this time. I showed you monsters in your dreams. Monsters. Had you obeyed, you could have used them to feed him. But you didn't, and now... She'll die if he leaves. He stared down at the grass, wide-eyed and distant. A weight seemed to lift from his shoulders. Relief suffused him, relaxing tense muscles and feeding the lines around his mouth and eyes. Okay. The yard evaporated and my apartment snapped back into place. I woke up thrashing and Koenig's monstrous form glimmered on my periphery. You have a decision to make. And you will listen once you decide. Let me show you something to help you. Let me show you what he is. He raised a half-formed transparent claw and pierced my forehead. Pain exploded and I widened out into another painted dream. One of Jesse's as he looks now. Rangy and tired and simultaneously too old and too young. He stood in a dark room. Grey light filtered through a filthy skylight high overhead. Illuminating him while draping everything else in shadows. He was weeping as always. Always, always in so much pain. Dark figures wrapped in sheets were suspended from the ceiling. Ropes creaked as they swung gently to and fro. A soft, teasing whisper drifted through the darkness. Jesse? One of the shapes shifted, fists bunching under the sheet. Jesse cried out and ran. Bodies burst to life around him, straining against the ropes and struggling out of their sheets. 
hands and feet and fleshless faces appeared, staring and pleading as he darted through the hanging forest of corpses. One freed itself and grabbed him. He halted, staring at it as sweat and tears spilled down his face. It embraced him, and for a second he wavered, arms extending as if to hug it back. But then he shrieked and kicked it away. You want us, it wailed. You want what we can give you. The bodies around it took up the chorus, creating a deafening, mad cacophony. Jesse covered his ears and bolted for a locked door, kicking and heaving himself at it. Corpses wriggled from the sheets and crawled toward him. Finally, with a great heave, the door cracked and broke. Jesse bolted out into the daylight and froze. A barren field surrounded him. Broken, bloodied bodies peered up from the dark earth. Children with bashed-in heads and missing jaws, bisected women and rotted men, they all shifted as one and the earth itself heaved. Overhead, the grey sky flashed and exploded into pale blinding yellow. Jesse collapsed, covering his head and screaming. I woke up in my dark apartment. My pajamas were drenched in sweat and I felt freezing cold. I crawled clumsily back onto the couch, moaning as pain burned through my body. The dog shoved her nose into my ear, sniffing intently then leapt off the couch just as the front door opened. Jesse paused, limed in yellow from the porch light, then rushed to me. I'm, I'm okay, I lied. The dog barked. Maybe it was the fever, but to me, it seemed the very essence of I call bullshit. I laughed helplessly. Shit, he whispered. It was the first time that I'd ever heard him swear. You can't do it, okay? Every word reverberated through my body, sparking fresh explosions of pain. Don't listen. They want the same thing. He smoothed my hair back gently. No, they don't want the same thing. He thinks that I'm too weak to finish him, and she knows that I'm strong enough. I begged and pled and cried, and he held me all the while. When I finally calmed down, he helped me into the shower. It seemed to wash away the delirium as well as the sweat, and even the pain dulled. He wants to take me to the hospital, and I'm not entirely sure why. Maybe he hopes the phantom is lying, that there is a cure for me, even though the physical wound is clearly healing. I hope the same. But even if that is the case, even if a doctor could kill this infection, I don't want to leave. I'm too afraid of what Jesse will do if I'm not here. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now... 
All you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.